The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. And uh, as I said, I'm happy to be with you again. Uh, I was here on Monday, and on Monday I talked about patience. And uh, today I'm going to talk about something a little bit different. Um, and uh, and I'll just get started, and I know people will be joining as uh, as as I speak. Um, Life is uh, life is fragile, you know. Life is tenuous, and uh, and often that uh, that truth, you know, the truth of anicca, of inconstancy, impermanence, doesn't really become clear to us and, until we're reminded of it in pretty dramatic ways um, in our lives. You know, things can just change in an instant, and suddenly, all the things that we've uh, we've come to count on, to depend on, just uh, change or disappear and it's hard you know it's hard that life is like that and it's hard to accept also to really accept that life is like this so um when i heard about uh, about the author salman rushdie being attacked a couple of weeks ago i thought about how you know it's been 33 years since he was uh, put under a fatwa you know threatened with with death and over that period, 33 years, it's a long time, you know, he'd very gradually come to trust that maybe he's safe now, you know, maybe he's safe. Started going out in public more, just I think not until about 10 years ago. So he spent a long time hiding out and with protection. And then, um, you know, he he went to speak at a, at a conference in upstate New York and, uh, and he was attacked. All that changed in a in a moment. You know, his growing trust in uh, in what what uh, what was safe to do. That's a really dramatic example, of course, of things changing. But aside from the violence of it, you know, it's not that different from feeling a little bit under the weather for a few weeks and then suddenly uh, finding out that you have terminal cancer, maybe. Something like that. That happens. That happens. In the first year of this uh, pandemic that we're experiencing still, and we're into the third year of it, it seemed like there was a, a growing awareness of uh, of this uncertainty, you know, of the inconstancy and unreliability that is really one of the deep truths of, uh, of our existence, according to the Buddhist way of looking at things. And... Um, my sense is people began to question how they were spending the, their time. You know, there were lots of news stories about it, how they were spending their money, too. Um, they they were rethinking their priorities. They were seeing that in light of the in uncertainty, on, in light of the, uh, the real mystery of what was going to happen, um, that they wanted to look again at uh, at how they were living their lives, but uh, as time has gone on, you know, with the introduction of vaccines and more people developing immunity through infection, and with what seem to be now variants with milder symptoms, the risk has started to seem more manageable, and uh, and I think that oh, that kind of closeness to the awareness of uncertainty has faded in, in a lot of people. And it's great, of course, that there's less risk. It's, it's wonderful, hooray, for that. But the truth is, we still don't know what's coming around the bend. We never really know what's coming around the bend. And I think um, it's natural for us as, as human beings to, uh, to mask, to try to mask the uncertainty in our lives, you know, to, to make life look controllable. It's something I think we do in many ways uh, during our days. I know I do it. Um, when, but when someone contracts a serious illness, you know, often um, other people, their friends and family, will, will uh, try to identify some way that it could have been avoided. You know, we, 
we we might blame the the person's uh, daily habits, like the oh that he was a smoker, she was a smoker, or they worked with dangerous chemicals, or they were out in the sun too much, or you know maybe they should have exercised more, or quit their stressful job, or eaten better, or not partnered up with that difficult person, or you know any any number of possible contributors to ill health, then it wouldn't have happened, you think. Then it wouldn't have happened. And, of course, it's not going to happen to me because I don't do any of those really dangerous things. We want to pin down a reason and uh, to make it, you know, to make life sit still and behave. Like, if I do the right thing, I'll be in control of my life. But life, it just, it isn't really like that, you know, it isn't. Not that we shouldn't take care of ourselves, but there's no guarantees. At my age, uh, news about friends or, uh, or people I grew up with facing serious health challenges or dying often um, comes my way. And, you know, it's, it's natural. It's, I'm getting older, of course, but my friends are getting older. It's, it's part of, of life. But still, it often it feels wrong to me. It's not wrong, of course. It's just, just how things are. There will be an end to each of our lives, and we don't know when that will be. And what if we lived in the awareness that life is tenuous, if we always lived in that awareness, that nothing is certain, that nothing can be taken for granted, if that informed our thinking all the time, how do you think we'd be in the world? How would we be with other people? I have a friend who um, used to be uh, really deathly afraid of flying, flying in an airplane. She would uh, she would hold on to the armrests, you know, in the in the seat and lift them up, thinking she was kind of keeping the plane in the air. Um, and she was sure she was going to die every time she flew, but she continued to fly. Then suddenly, one day, when she was on a plane, she realized, of course I'm going to die. That's not the question. The question is, how do I want to live? And with that question, actually, the fear of, uh, of flying just fell away from her. How do I want to live? That's a really worthwhile question to ask. How do we want to live? I want to read a poem that... Uh, that speaks to that. It's called The Man in the Yard. The Man in the Yard. My father told me once that when he was about 20, he had a new girlfriend. And once they stopped by the house on the way to somewhere, just a quick stop to pick something up. And my grandfather, his father, who wasn't well, it turned out he had TB and would die at 52 was sitting in a chair in the small backyard. My father knew he was out there, and it crossed his mind that he should take his girlfriend out back to meet him. But he didn't, whether for embarrassment at the sick, fading man, or just because he was in a hurry to be off on his date. He didn't say, but he told the little uneventful story anyway and said that he had always regretted not doing that simple, courteous thing. The sick man sitting in the sun in the backyard would have enjoyed meeting her, but instead he sat there, out there alone as they came and left, young lovers going on a date. He always regretted it, he said. He always regretted it. So, you know... How do I want to live? I, I believe um, that much of our, our suffering in life um, comes from the mind's resistance to, um, to this truth <laughs> of uh, the unpredictable, unreliable nature of our lives. It's something I think about often. That's where I know most of my suffering comes from, just not wanting to really uh, accept in a really visceral, 
full way that life is unpredictable, life is unreliable, and I can't be in control. There's a sense that if we can just get everything in the right order, in the right place, they'll stay put. We can just get our ducks in a row. No, things are not going to stay put. They never have, you know, and the ducks are going to fly off for the winter. They're not going to stay in a row. So instead of fighting with the disorderly, unpredictable, unreliable nature of life, what happens if we open to it, if we really open to it? I think that opening also opens us to compassion. So how do we want to live our life? Here's another poem. This one's titled, If You Knew. If You Knew. What if you knew you'd be the last to touch someone? If you were taking tickets, for example, at the theater, tearing them, giving back the ragged stubs, you might take care to touch that palm, brush your fingertips along the lifeline's crease, When a man pulls his wheeled suitcase too slowly through the airport, when the car in front of me doesn't signal, when the clerk at the pharmacy won't say thank you, I don't remember that they're going to die. A friend told me she'd been with her aunt. They just had lunch, and the waiter, a young gay man with plum black eyes, joked as he served the coffee, kissed my aunt's powdered cheek, kissed her aunt's powdered cheek when they left. Then they walked half a block and her aunt dropped dead on the sidewalk. How close does the dragon's fume have to come? How wide does the crack in heaven have to split? What would people look like if we could see them as they are, soaked in honey, stung and swollen, reckless? Pinned against time. Pinned against time. Interesting metaphor. So, how would we live if uh, if we treated everyone as though it was their last day on earth, you know, their last day alive? How would we live? How would the world be in a different place? So what's compassion? You know, often we say compassion is the, the quivering of the heart in, in response to pain, in response to suffering. It's a sense of care for everyone, including ourselves, who is having some kind of difficulty in life, some, whether it's physical, emotional, any kind of suffering that's present. A couple of weeks ago, um, uh, Matthew Brensilver, when he was leading the the morning uh, meditations, the uh, 7 o'clock a.m. Pacific time meditations that that Gil does, Matthew was subbing for him. He said that compassion is a way of being patient with our suffering. And I like that. I like that. Compassion is a way of being patient with our suffering. And in the formal practice, you know, we just, we simply offer our kind heart to the one who is suffering. You could say we're offering a kind of a blessing, or maybe we're offering our patience. So let's, let's practice tonight, this evening, or whatever time of day it is where you are, um, with, with cultivating uh, compassion now. So I invite you to... Uh, Take your comfortable, upright, alert, and relaxed meditation posture. Find a place where there's there's some ease in the body. Invite ease into the into the body. Maybe doing a little bit of a, a scan through the places that you know you hold tension. Those typical places, forehead and jaws and 
throat, neck. You might just move your head around a little bit just to see if it moves freely. Invite again, invite ease into that area. Into the chest and the belly, letting them be open, letting the belly be soft. As you breathe, you just just tune in a little bit to the way the breath expands the rib cage. And then the way the chest is able to just fall as the breath goes out again and again. Breath comes in and the breath goes out. There's this little bit of expansion and then contraction in the body and coolness and the inhalation. Warmth as the, as the air comes out, warmed by our body. We spend a little bit of time just settling in with the breathing. Now bring to mind someone you know who's facing some kind of difficulty in life. I think we all know at least one person who's facing something that's hard. Maybe an illness, a a financial difficulty, an emotional difficulty, some kind of loss. We all have difficulties in life. Sometimes they're big and sometimes they're small. Find a person who you know who's suffering some kind of some kind of challenge that they find difficult right now. See if you can kind of feel into the sense of of what they might be feeling, what their suffering is like. Just sit for a little bit with the, the sense of that, what they might be feeling. Not getting overwhelmed by it, but getting a sense of it. It's the flavor of it. Imagine sitting with this person, maybe just breathing with them being a friend, a friendly presence. And you can begin to offer them compassion. And usually when we do this practice in a formal way, we just use one phrase, if we're using phrases, unlike with metta, where we tend to use several. So I'll offer a few you can choose from, or feel free to create your own. May your heart be steady in the face of your difficulties. May you be free of suffering. May you be free of distress.
May your suffering be eased. Now I invite you to uh, to let this this person's uh, presence fade away, and instead bring bring to mind someone you care about, a friend or family member. They might not have anything difficult, really, or dramatic happening in their life right now, but. We all have our ups and downs. We just connect with the care you feel for a friend or a family member, someone who's dear to you, someone you feel close to. And just remember the the truth said, we all have times when things are difficult for us and let's connect with that, that sense, recognition of that. And with your care for this one. And I'll suggest some phrases. May you find peace with the ups and downs of your life. May you be free of suffering and the causes of suffering. May you be free of pain and distress whenever it arises.
May you be free of suffering and the causes of suffering. And uh, now I invite you to uh, <clears throat> to open open your your heart, open your awareness to uh, all of those in this uh, Zoom room together, including yourself, each of us, including ourselves. Some of us might be facing difficult things in our lives right now might be having pain and some distress, suffering. And some might be doing really well, having a lot of joy. But we all know what it's like to have pain. And we can offer wishes for that pain whenever it arises to be held with a caring heart may we here all of us here be free of suffering may we be free of distress May all of us here meet the ups and downs of our lives with a steady heart. I care about our pain and suffering. They hold us all with care.
May we all meet the ups and downs of our lives with steady hearts. May we hold our pain and distress with care. Now we can open open our care, our circle of care, to include all those who are in difficult situations in our world, whether it's uh, illness or injury, personal kinds of, of difficulties or social sources of of pain, war, effects of the climate, floods and heat, all the kinds of difficulties that beings experience as we go through our lives. The human condition is so unpredictable. It's ungovernable. Acknowledging that, we can offer wishes for steadiness, for patience, for ease. May all those who are suffering have their suffering reduced. May all those who are suffering find an end to their suffering. May all beings be free of suffering and the causes of suffering. May they find ease in the midst of their pain.
may all beings be free from suffering. May they be free from distress. May all beings be free from their suffering. May they find ease and peace. And ease and peace that does not depend on circumstances, on conditions. May all beings find an end to suffering. a sense that uh, <clears throat> well there are lots of ways that that people respond to uh, or react maybe to um, the awareness that life is uh, is difficult and uh, and unpredictable to the truth of anicca that it's unreliable that change is happening and we don't have control over a lot of things and one way is to kind of pretend that's not the case or to try to somehow create a bulwark against it by, by uh, you know, really being cautious and protecting ourselves in lots of ways, sometimes unconscious ways. But there is another way of responding to that truth, and that is to, you know, to, in recognizing our vulnerability to, to so many forces in the world that we don't have control over um, that can be a real doorway, I think, to developing compassion, compassion for ourselves and compassion for others, for those we love and for those we don't know, because we're all in this same boat, really. The same truth applies to all of us. It's not. Uh, it's not. Uh, uh, a reliable um, 
there isn't a reliable refuge in uh, samsara, you know, in the way the world works. And so we have to find a refuge within ourselves and uh, and find compassion for for the fact that it's uh, that there is this difficulty. There's there's unpredictability at every kind of moment in our lives. So I'm going to break you out into breakout groups, and I'd like you to uh, to talk a little bit about you know what what's your kind of typical response to. Um, Things being not going the way you'd like, you know, to the unpredictability of life. Is there a, a, an attempt to kind of finesse it, try to make it go away, or is there a, is there an opening to to something? And do you see the potential for an opening to something that's that's wholesome and uh, and loving, um, in the light of of what's kind of scary sometimes. So let's see how many. There's 27 of you left here. Let's see how many stay. We'll make. Now there's 26. If I make seven rooms, okay, there's now there are 23. And I'll give you, I think, uh, 10 minutes because I'd like to. Here's some comments when you come back. So I'll make it 10. And send you off. So be sure everyone has a chance to, to contribute when you, uh, when you discuss. Okay. And I'll see you in 10 minutes. I'd love to hear about uh, um, how that was for you and if there if you had any you know awakenings to new thoughts about things or uh, just awarenesses of how your mind tends to work whatever you'd like to share be happy to hear you can raise your zoom hand if you if you want you can make it easier for me to see. Yeah, is that is that Mike? <laughs> yeah, it's Michael. Hi, I can't believe you remember. Deep pause. I just kind of remember your phone number a little. <laughs> I don't know how. That's <laughs> kind of amazing. Oh, just <laughs> if no one else is speaking, I am happy to share. So I was just kind of, I didn't share this with the group, but I was just reflecting. I'm much more open to uncertainty when I'm feeling kapha oriented, grounded. Um, if I feel pitta oriented, fiery, um, it's probably not going to be a good result for any people involved. Uh-huh. But through my practice with the Dharma, I have a lot more moments of calm and ease dealing with uncertainty and when things go wild mm-hmm. um, than um, in previous parts of my life. Yeah. Especially yeah. starting out like 30 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> years mm-hmm. go over. It's not entirely erased. Everyone has a moment. Sure. And it's, I really appreciate when people have practiced 45, 50 years are very authentic with their moments. But thank you for the topic of uncertainty and not knowing and deep bows. Thank you. Uh-huh. Thank you. I think that's a really good point. I'm, I think, uh, Michael, about, uh, you know, the, the condition that we're in m- makes our wisdom more or less available to us in any moment, you know. And often um, Gil talks about... Uh, cultivating a sense of stability as a kind of uh, an antidote to the the fear 
and uh, resistance that comes up around really uh, confronting the truth of impermanence of Anicca. So in order to really grapple with Anicca, to really be present with it, we have to have a sense of inner stability. And I think you spoke to that when you were talking about being more grounded in that. Then, you know, when we're more grounded, there's more, there's just definitely more uh, ability to meet anything that, that arises. So cultivating that is really useful. Anybody else? Not anything. Compassion. Getting your ducks in a row. (laughs) Yes, Susan? Yeah, um, you know, I definitely do my share of trying to get my ducks in a row. But it's nice um, to have compassion as another tool for when something bad happens or there's uncertainty about what's happening. Um, you know, that I can, if I become aware, I can actually just say, ouch, this hurts and <laughs> direct compassion toward myself um, and just let all that constant spinning of thoughts and trying to change things, you know, just stop for a while. Uh-huh. Just let it now, go. Uh-huh. Yeah. So that's a big release and really helpful because <laughs> then, because that reconnects me with my heart. Whereas when there's the fear reaction, you know, the heart just sort of goes, (laughs) you can't, you don't have access to your heart. Uh, Yeah. uh Yeah. That's kind of a little bit similar to what Michael was saying about just noticing that what state we're in is, you know, it has a big effect on how, how we're able to respond to what comes towards us. And, uh, and so cultivating a a sense of steadiness, a sense of inner, uh, peace, you know, ease that we're always kind of pointing to that it's really helpful in terms of allowing us to access uh, the, the wisdom that we have, you know, the, the awareness to be, to be compassionate or to be uh, wise in another way, you know, to, to approach whatever is coming with the, uh, without fear, but with uh, uh, discernment, discretion, sense of, you know, sense of what's the most beneficial thing in this situation, what benefit for me, benefit for others. Yeah. Thank you.